landed. I can now see no one. Um, hello, everyone. How are you? Good. Good, good. Um, okay, so it's been a it's been a weekend. Um, uh, it's been a been a good challenge. I think I might have even lost my notes for today, which will be perfectly fine. Um, so let's just let's just go for it. Uh, we'll just leave it. We should be fine. Um, I did, it, but believe it or not, I did a lot of prep for today. Um, uh, and uh, it's it's been a challenge, but God speaks in the challenges, which is, um, yeah, it's just just such a a special time. It's it's like one of those, I don't know. It's it's really hard pressing into God's presence um, when you feel He's so distant. But this is the most um, valuable and and the closest you'll get to God is in these seasons. And so, um, yeah, I'm just really trusting. I've got so I've got one testimony from the week. It actually was a really good week, uh, despite everything else. But um, so my aunt, uh, I found out uh, my my godmother, my aunt in South Africa, who uh, that family was like, they were like my parents, um, very close to me. And they, they live on a beautiful farm in South Africa. Um, that is, honestly, the word, word to describe it is just peace. It's just like you go there, uh, by God's grace, there's literally no signal on that farm, so your phone doesn't like you, you don't get bothered, um, uh, and you just sit down there, and there's just a peace, and you can see it, you can feel it in them. There's just like a peace when you go there, uh, and they minister, and they're so solid. Um, and my mom sent me a message, I think on Monday, and just said, "Pray for Lala. Um, she she's not in a good space." And so on Tuesday. Uh, um, so I'm a vet, I'm busy in my consults and I've got, got a few minutes um, so I'm like, oh, why, why don't I just try phone her and I phone her and when you hear someone's voice, it's just breaking like can barely speak um, and I was so broken uh, and you know, nothing you say is gonna gonna kind of break into this and I was just like, let's pray like she, she uh, I found out she hasn't been uh, kind of sleeping much or, or at all for the past kind of few months, three months, and there's just been a an attack of exactly what, uh, like the blessing that I see over them is peace. There's been an attack of anxiety over her. Um, and so we start praying and speaking about uh, all these different things. And I'm just, um, it really hit me hard. And so I go home that evening uh, on, on Tuesday night uh, and I send a message to my other friend in South Africa who um, kind of just wages war in prayer. Uh, and I message her, uh, and she says she's she's actually feeling under great attack and feels like she is really struggling to pray also. And so I'm just feeling like these two people that, that I run to with prayer uh, are, are feeling weak. Um, but she says, I'll press in for, for your aunt. And so she, she sends me a message the next morning. I share it with Lella, and it's literally, I hadn't, uh, w- with my aunt Lella, uh, and she I hadn't told this other person much of the story, but it's just like pinpoint accurate. Um, and so she just starts starts weeping, um, and, and she says, "So, for for the first time in months, that morning, she had managed to just go down. She's she's uh, away from the farm at the sea, and she just sat on the rock. And for the first time, she could sing, sing to God. It was just like this this little hope 
Um, and so just before I called her with, with this message, I was looking at a scripture, and I was like, actually, I think the scripture is for her. Um, it's from Isaiah 55, and it says, uh, I will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And then speaks about the mountains and the trees, like celebrating, and, and the, the fields, and I think the, I don't know, something will turn into myrtle or whatever. It's like good things. Um, um, uh, you, you can read it for yourself. And so uh, I, I know the verse, but I don't know where it's from. So I start searching for it, and I'm like, oh, like the first results are just a song. I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a song. Um, so we're coming to the end of the call. She's She's been in tears. And there's just like this this first inkling of, of just a bit of breakthrough. And so uh, as we're about to, to end the call, I'm just like, oh, I, I had this verse for you. And I start reading. And I start reading like the first line. I'm like, you'll be led, led out or you'll go out in joy. And she just starts crying again. I'm like, okay, like it's a it's a good verse. But like that's just the first line. Like just wait, wait until it's coming. Um, and she just says, the, the song, the only song I could sing on the rocks was that song. Out of all the songs that, that she could have chosen, if you know worship music, there are thousands of songs. I've been in church, uh, like raised in church. I, I don't know the song. Um, Beth knows it. Um, but there's just uh, what, what was spoken over her and, and what I feel Tim was speaking and what I feel, I feel Willem was speaking um, is, was just spoken over that I hear you. I know you and I love you. Uh, and, and I really feel like um, there's just such a, yeah, it could be coincidence. Like I, out of the um, million verses in the Bible, I chose one. And out of the million songs that she was going to sing on that specific day that I shared it with her, it was that song. Like, yeah, it's possible. But, but what I want to say to you is, is that God hears you. God knows you intimately. And God loves you. He's, he's invested in your life in the little details. And he'll take the time to, to work across countries to speak into your heart. Um, and so I want to say if, if what Tim shared or what Willem shared is, is speaking to you, like respond to that and know that it's true, that God hears you, he knows you, and he loves you. Um, so that's, that's not my message, but that buys me a bit of time. Um, <laughs> no, come on. Um, yeah, so we, we've been going through a series on sexuality, um, which has been good. It's been like cringe good. It's been like we can be grateful we've got these nice seats you can like sink into and just be quiet. Um, but Dill's done a really good job of that. But we're going to uh, pause on that, which I'm really grateful for. He didn't like uh, I, I trust Dill to be like, okay, we're going to carry on with the, the series and just chuck me in the deep end with like the worst topic. Um, but, but he's been gracious and giving me freedom uh, to just just speak on whatever I feel, um, so we're going to go into a passage. It's one Peter four, uh, and it says this: Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like Him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. That, that's, uh, that's two verses uh, out of this whole book, but it is deep, uh, and it is incredibly challenging. Um, uh, and so there, there's a few things. Actually, uh, another thing you can be grateful for today, if you're struggling for things to be grateful for, is I had, um, since, well, when I was preparing this whole thing, I'd prepared like a whole, 
quite elaborate uh, story. And then I was doing it last night, and it was coming out at like 45 minutes, and I was like, that's quite bold. That's that's pushing everyone's attention span. Like five minutes is is probably more accurate. Um, so so uh, I cut out a whole portion of that. Um, that that uh, it was quite sad because I'd worked a lot on, um, and I thought it was quite fascinating. But um, I really really feel like God's wanting to speak into into uh, more specific areas of this verse. And so the first thing that I want to look at. And I think one of the things that's most challenging about this verse is the way that it speaks about our desires, the way that it speaks about what we want. So uh, it says says this, think of your sufferings as a weaning. Um, so when, when you take uh, something away from its mother, you wean it from its mother, um, from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. And then it, it carries on later and it says, um, you'll be free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Okay, so so the Bible is is speaking about our wills. Our will is like our plan or or our desire. Um, and what it what it's saying here is actually your your will's not that great. Jeremiah's a, a prophet. Um, he's quite a depro prophet. Um, so we can see what he says about it. He says in in Jeremiah 17 verse 9 he says the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful a puzzle that no one can figure out but our God search the heart and examine the mind get to the heart of the human I get to the root of things I treat them as they really are not as they pretend to be and that's uh, if if you are, are real enough with yourself you'll know that that's true that that the heart is deceitful above all things that that the the things that I feel um, are aren't aren't necessarily what's going on, uh, and that's quite deceitful. So I've got got two pretty good stories of that. Um, who who here knows about Healy's? Was anyone around when when Healy's came out? Come on, hey! Probably the least practical shoes in the world. Um, but when I was a kid, it's I don't know the age, but it's probably shameful how how old I actually was when this happened. Um, so. Uh, I really wanted Heelys for Christmas because, I mean, who didn't? Like, you could be walking and then all of a sudden be, like, gliding across the floor. Um, so I really wanted these. I, I grew up in a small town, asked my parents. They were like, oh, like, there's none in, in Escort. Like, it's literally a hole. There's there's not much that you can buy there other than food. Um, pardon? It's empty, yeah. Yeah, so we they, they were just like, no, I don't think it's going to happen. And I was like... Like, this is Christmas. Like, it's got to happen. Um, so they kept denying me. Um, and then coming close to Christmas, after church, um, as as the Lord would have it, uh, I went went out and I was walking on the street by the shops right there. And I saw in the window some, some Heelys. And I was like, the Lord has spoken. I go, I fetch my mom. I'm like, here are the Heelys. So she's like, okay, let's try these on. So I try them on. Uh, like, they fit, and I'm like, praise him, mom, like, there's no clearer sign, like, get these for me. And so we leave the shop. To my disappointment, she doesn't get them for me, and my heart is broken, right? Yeah, I know. Does she even love me? Um, uh, and, and, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter that she's, like, raised me since I was uh, a newborn. They couldn't do anything. Um, but I sulk for the rest of the day. I mean, it probably... 
realistically, it was probably like five minutes, but it felt like days, maybe weeks that I was in my room sulking. Um, I was not a pleasure to be around. Um, and so after, after those extremely long five minutes, my mom comes into the room and she's like, look, my boy, like we want it to be a surprise, but actually we traveled all the way to the city, uh, however far away, and we got you really nice ones. Um, and so she brings them down for me to try on. And in my desire for something, I'd ruined something that was good, that was waiting for me, uh, because I wanted something now. And so there's, there's a portion of our desire that, that can mislead us um, and equally can blind us to the truth. The, the fact that my mom, even if she hadn't bought me really nice Heelys, uh, to, to be blinded to the fact that she loves me and to trust her with what she's going to get for me, I'm blinded by what's right in front of me. So our desires are deceitful. Uh, the second one's probably one of my favorite stories. I don't know. How, how old were you, my dear? 14, yeah. That's pretty pretty awkward. Um, that's, that's, that's old. We'd, we'd love to say we were probably like six or seven, but um, I was probably also 14. Um, it, it's not a nice time, teens. Um, so Beth, Beth is uh, having her birthday party as well. I'm just going to make up the details because the point of the story is there, and then I don't have to keep checking with her. So uh, the, the details don't matter too much. So she's uh, having her birthday party. She's got friends and, and her parents there, her family, um, and she's left with a dilemma um, that only a 14-year-old could be left with of, do I have the extremely sweet... Uh, like Oreo milkshake, or should I have the waffles with the ice cream, salted caramel, like sprinkled over? You know, like the big decisions that that we need to make, where we like, Lord, what is your will? Speak to me. Um, and so her parents, being the the lovely parents they are, they say, "My girl, it's your birthday. You can have whatever you want." Hey, isn't that good? So what what does a teenager do? She's like. I'll have them both. I'm going to eat both. I want both of them. And so she has them both. Pretty clear story. If you're an, if you're an adult uh, and, and you see, see your kid doing that, you know what's just beyond that is they're going to feel horrible for the rest of the day. They feel sick. Um, and so what we want isn't necessarily what we actually want in the long term. What we want can be deceitful because we think we want it now, but someone else knows better. Um, and so our, our wants, our will, uh, although it can be very clear in a moment, um, can be very deceitful in the long run. Okay. Um, so we, we come, come back to this verse. We agree with, with Jeremiah. Our hearts uh, aren't very good. Um, and so we come back to, to 1 Peter 4, where he says, Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. That old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. So the word tyrannized uh, is to be uh, under an arbitrary oppressive power. Now arbitrary is like a random by chance. It's kind of exactly like our desires. It's like one day it's like this and, and I'm just loving that. And then the next day I'm like, oh, those, those aren't so cool. Heelys are like behind me. I don't want Heelys. 
Like uh, our world is is shifting the whole time. Um, and so the question we have is, do you want to be free to pursue what God wants? Or do you want to be tyrannized by what you want? Do you want to be under the oppressive? It, it's, it's an oppressive thing. You want to know the, the fastest way to spoil a child uh, or to get a spoiled child is to give them every single thing they want exactly when they want it. That, uh, to, to have our wants fulfilled and to always get our own way is not good for us. It doesn't feel nice to, to know that, but it's true. It, it's, it's true. We know it. We, we can see it when a kid gets everything they want. And the fact is, it doesn't change when we're adults. Our desires change, and we don't, don't want the, the chocolate, but, but we want something else. We, we've been doing this whole series on sexuality. If you're a guy, you probably want sex. But the reality of it is if you're just going after that now and not in the safe boundaries of marriage, that's going to destroy you. You might want it now, but what you actually want is the safety of it in its design. Uh, and so uh, we, we start to see that, that what we want is very deceitful, um, and when we live under the power of what we want, it doesn't bring freedom. And instead, it brings oppression. Uh, pe- people often say, like, we, we live in a nation where you're free to do whatever you want. That's not freedom. That's slavery. That's slavery to your desires, which, if you don't already know, are quite deceitful. Okay. Um, the, so I'm going to do a bit of what... Um, Every dad kind of has to do once they've had a child and they get up to preach. They have to like speak about the revelation that their child child has given them. Um, it's like an unwritten rule. Dill's done it. I just feel like I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't didn't do it. So um, Eden, up to six weeks, has been crying when there's something that she needs. Um, so she's been crying when she's got a burp or when she needs to go to the loo or when she's hungry. Um, and when she's in pain, she'll, she'll let us know. But at, at this last week period, what's happened is she's started smiling, which is great, um, and interacting, which is also very nice. But that means that she gets distracted. And when she should be sleeping, she gives you a sweet smile. And then you smile back. And then she's like excited again. And she gets overtired. And what that does is the things that she wants now get confused because she's overtired. And so uh, in, in all of this, you've got all the things you want. She now has an extra need, which is uh, actually I, I'm going to tell you when I'm tired or, or actually when I'm overtired. And now to, to add on to that, uh, everything's quite muddled up because even though even if you address the burp that she needed, but she's overtired, then she still keeps crying even though you've addressed it and you've got to try and like distract her. So um, that's a small rant on, on a kid. And it just carries on. Um, for the rest of your life, come on. Um, <laughs> no, it's it. Thank you. Um, but but it's true. Our, our desires are like that. Uh, it, especially, um, kind of the more we get into these things, even in our overthinkers, um, and the more you you just like run through all these thoughts, you can just run your desires all over the ground. Like like you won't even know what you want. Um, and so, uh, all of that. Uh, just coming down to, to agree with Jeremiah, our, our desires and our hearts are deceitful, um, which, which puts us in quite an awkward place um, because in themselves, uh, our desires are not wrong, 
necessarily. Um, God's, God's given us desires and we have good desires, um, but we must know that our desires are deceitful. So they, they, can, they can be good, but they can equally be bad, and it's very hard for us to discern that. Um, Romans, Romans 7, um, Paul, Paul packs out a bit of um, what we're speaking about. Um, and so he starts off in verse 14. He says, I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that all of me that not all of me joins in the delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't this the real question? Sometimes I feel like we can just read Romans and then sit down and be like, cool, let's, let's like think about that. Like Paul places it so well that there's not really much interpretation that's needed. Like you hear that and you're like, that's our condition. Like I decide to do good. I've got all the best intentions. I read what God says in his will, in his word. But it's so hard because even though I love what he says, Something within me doesn't delight in that. Something's rebelling against that. Um, and so he's, he's crying out. He's, he's placing this before us. And he's saying, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? And then, luckily, the chapter doesn't end there. It says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. So what, he, what he's laying out here is he, he's pretty much going back to that same thing that we've been re reading in 1 Peter, and he's saying, I, I want to be free. I want to be free from my desires, free to pursue what's good, um, but there's a tension within me that keeps tripping me up. There's something within me that, that even though I know what's good, I still struggle to walk in it. Uh, and then he, he comes to this point where he's actually like, I've wrestled with this so much and I'm at the end of my rope. Like, I don't know where to go. But thank God, Jesus Christ can and does. So we're going we're gonna to look, um, not, not at an overall picture. I think there's, there's uh, so many ways we can look into what Jesus Christ has done. 
and is doing in our hearts. But I'm going to look into it specifically through the lens of, of 1 Peter 4, um, of, of what it's speaking to us in this chapter, of how we, we live in the tension of wanting what God wants, but actually our, our deep within us, not all our heart is, is with that. Part of our heart is rebelling against that. Um, and and we, we need to live in this tension because we don't want to live under the oppressive power of our desires. Um, so it starts off, we, we'll read through it again. It says, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Okay, so our, our first point comes, comes right over there um, to help us remember this and, and mainly to help me remember my points when I forget my notes, which I do. Um, it is perspective. I'm going to make them all P's for people that love to take notes. Um, so perspective, we need to learn to shift our perspective to think like him. Um, it, it says just above that in, in 1 Peter 3, it says, if with heart and soul you're doing good, do you think you can be stopped? Even if you suffer for it, you're still better off. Don't give the opposition a second thought. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ your master. Keep your hearts at attention. And like in the army, when you stand at attention, you, you're full focus. You, you alert to what's going on. Keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ. Learn to adore the person of Christ and learn to love the way he thinks and learn to think like him, which is a great thing to say. I think perspective is, is something that, that we strive for, but the hard part is just saying learn to think like him, well, that's pretty hard. Like, like that, that's a great point. Write that down, get into Monday, and you're like, I can't. I can't think like him. Um, and so the second point, and in that exact same sentence, is um, I think the, the graciousness of God with us in that. He says, learn to think like him. See, the, the, the second point is God's interested in practice, not perfection. So with, when it comes to Christ, we've got perfection in Christ. But when he speaks about us walking in his ways, we are disciple, we're learning to follow in his ways. And so he speaks about a practice of his ways. He speaks about learn to think like him, not think like him, learn to think like him. When he says, um, keep yourselves at attention and adoration before Christ, he's saying, like, keep yourself, because he's not saying put yourself at attention before him. He's saying keep yourself there because something's fighting for that attention, and you need to be fighting back to keep yourself at attention in adoration before Christ. And so there's a grace in his command where he says, well, we need a perspective shift. We need to shift into, into thinking like he does. But then comes the grace of God. And he says, I'm interested in the practice. I'm interested in, is today any different than yesterday? Is your thought pattern changing day by day? Are you spending time in the word and saying, maybe I got that wrong. Maybe I need to just shift. Not, not, not my whole thinking pattern, but maybe I just need to shift the way I think about sexuality. Maybe, maybe I just need to shift the way I think about my suffering. Because when I'm in these moments, it's so easy to think, why is God doing this? Um, but, but when we shift our perspective across, uh, and just daily we shift, what am I thinking about? What, what, where does that thought come from? Where is this anger coming from? What am I thinking about? And slowly shifting across, we learn to think like him. 
And so God is gracious in the way that he deals with us. The third point, and, and a point that I think we don't like to hear, is through painful process. God, God loves to mold us through painful process. When Alan's sharing about his, his story of Tim, Tim, and, we, I, I don't know if it happens with every car. It's probably a car thing, but literally every time I come to Tim with a small problem with my car, it literally turns into like the biggest mission to, to take out. We had to like weld something. Will was welding something onto my ball bearing because we couldn't like suck it out. So we like welding on a bar and hammering this thing out. And something that should take like five minutes is there's always one thing along the way that, that like holds you back. And it, the truth of that is God is not interested in spoiled children. God, God is interested in our holiness, not just our happiness. If he wanted you to be happy instantaneously, just give you everything you want. But, but we know in the long run, our maturity and our joy in the, in the long run depends on God uh, raising us in maturity. And the, the truth of that is that happens through painful process. Through suffering, God molds us into what we're becoming. Through, through processes where, where we hammering away at something and things aren't going our way. You know how you learn that everything's not about you? Is when things don't go your way. That, that's, that's the truth of it. When, when things aren't going your way, you realize, actually, maybe there's something bigger than, than this world revolving around me and what's happening in my life. And that's good for you because our generation has been raised up thinking life is easy. And so when we find out life is difficult, our question is, why are you doing this to me, God? Whereas when we go through painful process, what God changes that, he shifts our perspective of our question. We don't say, why are you doing this to me, God? We say, what are you doing in me, God? Instead of saying, where are you, God? You say, where must I go? Where, Where to, God? Like, what, what are you doing through this process? Like, Tim, um, Tim was saying this week, so I, I just, um, we, we spent our life savings um, to, to pay for me to do a course to specialize in surgery. Um, uh, and so uh, I was grafting really hard. We took all my years leave to, to get to the lectures. Um, and I got my results on Friday. And I passed everything except one of the tests, which means I failed the whole thing. Um, and so... You get to this place where you're like, why? Like, man, I sacrificed so much to study to get you. Why would this happen? Why why would this all go on? It's not, it's not the end of the world. I'm going to try to rewrite the exam. But, but even in that, there's just like, that's not big suffering. There's people suffering through bigger things. But why? Like, why didn't you just like, let me not do the exam, like not pay all the money. I could have used that for other things. Like, why? But, but actually, what are you doing in me, God? What are you, what are you stirring in me? What, what are you interested in? You're not interested. You, you might be interested in me becoming a surgeon, but your greater interest is actually what's going on in your heart. What are you growing? What is the man that you're becoming? And so when we run into suffering, learn to think like him. Learn to think, actually, thank you, Father. This isn't nice, but I thank you that you're more interested in my health than in my present happiness. Yeah, uh, and then the the last thing that that we see, the last P, um, comes about in in Mark. Uh, I think it's in Mark fourteen. Um, this would be really helpful to have my. Oh, there we go. Um, so they came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, 
Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. He plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. That sounds fun, right? Um, He plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. He told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. That's that's like the happiness. This is what I want kind of vibe. Um, Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell to the ground and prayed for a way out. Papa, Father, you can, can't you, get me out of this? Take this cup away from me. But please, not what I want. What do you want? Isn't that a a powerful... the, the, The first thing that strikes me in that is it's not sinful to have a will that is different to God's will because Jesus never sinned. Uh, and yet he's, he's asking for something. He, he wants a way out of this. Um, but what he wants above that, he recognizes, Father, your will be done. He, he recognizes, actually, what's, what's most beneficial is, is you see further than me. And so I'm going to place everything here. I, I, I say, uh, take this cup from me. But above that, I say, you have your way. And so the, the word for prayer, one of the words in Greek is, is pros UK, um, where pros means a drawing near, uh, and UK or UK, or however they say it, is um, a, a vow that's generally uh, connected with sacrifice. And, and so we, when, we, when we come into prayer like this, we, we draw near to God and we come with a vow. We come we present, uh, other people would, would uh, translate it as a, an exchange of wishes, like a, an exchange of, of promises. And so we draw near to God and, and we place uh, our, our will before God. When, when we're at the end of our rope, when we're in, in deep agony and we have nowhere else to turn, we come to God and we say, this is my will, Dad. Like, to be, to be honest, when we're in that painful process, no one wants to be like, thank you, Lord. But, but the truth of it is, is I want to come with that and I want to say, Dad, I really want to pass this exam. Like, I don't want to have wasted, wasted everything. I don't want to have to have laid down everything. Like, I really want this, Father. But I trust you more than that. And so it, it comes with the sacrifice of saying, if this isn't your will, like, I'm giving, I'm giving my all. I'm putting it all out on the plate for you. But I come with a sacrificial heart and I say, if this isn't your will, I don't want it. My heart wants it. My heart is deceitful. It's crying out for this thing. But if it's not from you, I don't want it. Because I, I want you. I want your holiness to be stirred in me more than I want my happiness. And so we, we go through this. We go perspective. We've got the, the practice, not perfection. Uh, and then, then we go into a painful process. And at the end of it all, when we've got nothing left, we come to God in prayer. And we just say, Dad, I, I don't understand it. Your suffering doesn't have to make sense. Um, but you just hand it, hand it to him. And God works through that. Uh, I'm going to finish off um, with a, a story about a, a good friend of mine, um, Andrew Steiner, who uh, passed away from cancer uh, two years ago, um, my age, really young. And so the one, one time I was... Uh, he was in my home group when, when we were at university, uh, and he was kind of dabbling in Christianity, didn't, didn't really 
um, like put it, put himself fully in, just kind of finding out about everything. Um, and then I didn't see him for a few years because I shifted university. And then I was driving home to do practicals in, in my home province. Um, and I got a message from him and he said, I'm going in for brain op tomorrow um, uh, just to give me an update. And I was like, I'm literally, as you're sending this, not, I wasn't driving when I read it, but I'm literally on my way down. Um, yeah, don't sue me or anything. Um, I'm on my way down to that same province. I'm going to just drive straight through and get to that hospital to pray with you tonight. And so we went there and I got to pray with him. And he went in for the op and it ended up being very, very complicated. And he ended up being in and out of ICU for the next nine months. Um, and he, he came out just so thin and weak and frail, but he came out with this. He said, like, through through all these things, he just kept coming out with testimonies of God's goodness. The smallest things where he would just be like, you know what, like, they didn't know what was going on, and the nurse was just like, oh, the one time I saw something like this, my, the, the patient's iron levels were low, and they tested, and he was like, thank the Lord for that nurse, because my iron levels were low, and I was going to pass away hadn't she remembered this one circumstance? And he would come out with all these testimonies, uh, and eventually he, he came out of there, uh, and he went to an Alpha course, which is a, a really good course that we'll hopefully run here. Um, but, but he gets to there, and one of the sessions says, why does God allow suffering? Um, and, and there was this girl there that was just like, I just don't understand it. Like, none of this makes sense. Why would God allow suffering? Uh, and, and he came back to me, and he said, he just sat there and he, he would have struggled with that question, but he now knew like suffering has has an ability to shape your perspective. Uh, and so what, what he, he said is actually my suffering was the thing that drew me into Christ. That my suffering was the beginning of life. My, my suffering was was when God was turning me uh, into that. And he, he, he carried on getting better, but then everything turned and he eventually passed away. But I know that through that suffering, as painful as it is, and as painful as it was for his family, that God was stirring things. And that's, that's a hard truth, but that's true. And so when, when we get into these circumstances, what are you going to trust? Are you going to trust what you want? Or are you going to bring what you want before the Father? And so let's, let's just pray. Yeah, Father, I thank you for your word, Father. I thank you that... Apart from your word, our minds would have no clue what you like, Lord. That we wouldn't, wouldn't even know where to start with your character. We wouldn't even be able to comprehend, Father. But your word opens up who you are to us. Your word opens up your ways that are so much higher than our ways, Lord. Yeah, our Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that you challenge us in these moments. I thank you that you're too good to raise up our spoiled children, Father that you care too much for our holiness. Yeah, Father, thank you that you challenge us. I pray over all of us as we, as we walk through our own different challenges and as we face suffering of all different kinds, Father, I pray that you would draw us into your heart. I pray that you would teach us to think like you. Holy Spirit, I pray would you come upon us and teach us your ways, Lord. I thank you that you're gracious in that, Father. Yeah, I pray over anyone here that's just feeling alone. I pray over anyone who, who's here that just feels like they're not loved or not accepted, Father. I pray would you speak to them. 
Would you show them, Father, that you love them, that you are passionate about them, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, Father, I thank you that we're not alone in our suffering, that even though we go through a painful process, that you're the God that stands with us through it all, even when our feelings can't feel you. Even when we can't see you in the midst of it, you're so present in that, Lord. Yeah. Pray would you do do your work in our hearts now, Lord. Yeah. Amen.